Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. And I am two of your hosts, Ethan. And this week we are discussing the final episode of Season 1, Strange New Worlds, A Quality of Mercy. It is directed by Chris Fisher, who we only know that... Well, we know he's directing the uh, premiere of Season 2, interestingly. But fun facts about, he directed a few horror films. He directed the Donnie Darko sequel, which I've never seen, even though I do like um, the original. And to be of interest, particularly to Kevin, he directed a film with Ray Liotta. Kevin having just watched uh, the film Goodfellas for the first time. He is as impressed as he should be. Mm -hmm. So in this episode... Equality of Mercy. What we have is Star Trek Mom. We take a leftover episode. We add some egg and a different captain. We put it into Pike's uh, cast iron skillet, and we transform leftovers into something else. Okay. I'm kind of through the roof right now because that's I interpreted that the exact same way. I swear to God, I swear, I'm like, I wow, I just, so I, I, now, I love it. and here's the thing. We didn't plan this, I just, I am, introduce it. I'm very bad at watching things and finding, like, whether it's symbolism or, you know, just little things like that, that could, like, just be, like, a, you know, connection to what the overall theme of an episode is. I'm very bad at things like that. So whenever I find something like that, I get very, very excited. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, that's like a metaphor for what's... Yeah. I mean, the second time I watched it, yes. I mean, I wouldn't. that wouldn't have been clear to me the first time. Yeah, and I thought... Actually, I don't think the first time, but I was thinking... I couldn't stop thinking about, wait, so you're going to fry the spaghetti? And then you're going to have egg? The first time I thought to myself, can I... I'm like, like, can I make spaghetti like that? Can I do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember... I remember asking you one time, because somebody, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Somebody did this to me one time. They were like, I said, can I put, can you put egg yolk in spaghetti? Doesn't it tenderize it or something? And you were like, I don't know. I'm like, I swear to God, I've seen somebody do that before. So I was very validated when I saw that. Oh, yeah. Well, this one, though, it's already cooked. And then they're yeah. going to fry it all up. It's cheap. I mean, it sounds like it'd be good. Right. I, I asked Julia, my wife, being an Italian, if that's a thing that people do. And she sort of said no. Yeah. But it also might be not her region or it might be an Italian American thing. I yeah. Well, anyway, I just know that next time right. I make pasta, I'm going to, I'm going to try that. Excellent. I'm going to try that. Well, I'm glad to see that you're picking up on symbolism and whatnot. Yes. It's these film cr- review books that I'm reading. So nice. Yeah. So, I mean, you, what a, it's, I'm, I'm so sad that the season is over. It went by so quick. But, um, my God, what a finale. Um, I may catch a little bit of flack for this. I said this on Twitter. But I think right now, um, this is Strange New Worlds is yesterday's Enterprise, in my opinion. Like, it's, I think it's that good. And I think that years from now, when we kind of go through, like, best episodes of the series, I could see this being on that list. Unless they just completely wow us in the seasons to come, and then we just forget right. about this one, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. I I did something that I never do, and I watched the um, uh, the ready room, mm. 
and I believe it was the writer um, reference Trouble with no the the Deep Space Nine Tribble episode Trials and Tribulations when they go into yes, Trouble Trials with Tribbles. and Tribbles yeah um, which was interesting because that never crossed my mind because that was more played as almost a gag in a way it was the 30th anniversary so they were kind of just yeah, being cute it about it but but it was it was interesting that that was the reference for them but yes I think it was much higher quality than and you than also were serious and, and you state. also. And you also, in Trial and Tribulations, there was not really, like, them trying to change the outcome of it, right? I mean, there was right. the risk, but you knew that that wasn't going to happen, right? right? So you weren't able to kind of play with it and mess around with it. So you kind of had to follow it. It was a real timeline. It wasn't an alternate timeline. Right. Um, here's a question for you. Do you think, now, whether or not they intended it doesn't matter, mm. but do you think that this is a demonstration a further piece of evidence as to how ineffective Picard season two was given that we have something similar in where we're looking at an alternate timeline where one little thing has been changed and we're doing a story based on that because what I notice is this is a logical we were talking about how I don't want to get too deep into it, but this one made sense. It was a small change, and the thing that it led to was a direct chain of yes, events. It was. I, it reminded me of a contrast to it made me think of how ineffective season two was. Well, you're right. Yes, Be, and I think it also because what I had been saying um, as season two of Picard was wrapping up. I don't think I said it. I think we kind of touched upon it on the show, and you know, me talking about it with people online that you could have easily done this up uh, this season of Picard like in like a two-part episode and just you know take out all of this like nonsensical stuff and just boil it down to the basic plot of the episode of the season which was one change here you know has that butterfly effect you know for you know uh for centuries to come and uh i think if anything this episode proved that you can take that concept and whittle it down into one episode and it's very and it's effective i think picard's i think picard's problem was that there was just too much there was too much un, there were too many unrelated stories that didn't really mesh well with it and it wasn't and as a result of it you weren't really sure what the focus of it was supposed to be other than just you know the writing issues that we were coming across right but and I because think, yeah the change that was made in picard was outside of the lifetime of the character Right. So it was direct. This is within his lifetime. It may have been only a year or something right. since he made the change or a couple of years. So that's right. why it just worked so much better. Instead of I made a change hundreds of years ago and everything. And this well, is what happened. But I think also it's a change that he tries to do. I don't want to say like with the best intentions, but he thinks like, well, no, actually it is with intentions because he's like, I'm going to try to save them. Yes. And save himself. And save so himself. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, for him, saving them is more important, right? But he doesn't think about what the ramifications could be after that. What could result in all of this after I, you know, do my heroic thing in that moment. So it sort of, it analyzes the ripple effect in a way that I think that Picard doesn't do. Picard was just, because here's the thing, in Picard we started out already 
fine. Like in the right timeline, it's as if nothing, it's as if it never happened. So Q goes back and fixes it. So we, Picard has to kind of reset everything, right? Back to yeah. the way it was, where Pike. Don't do the thing that makes Pike, the change. Pike, in Pike's case, because Picard's already living in that time. In Pike's case, he's not. And he's there's a fork in the road. And if he goes down this path, this happens. If he goes down this path, that happens, right? Mm hmm. Q just moves Picard back to where that fork is in the road, and as to your point, it's before he even exists. Yeah. So it's just, it's a completely, un, it's like an unrelatable concept in a way. It's it's not, the per, yeah, there's no personal just, element to it. Right. And it's just, it's more like just, um, yeah, here's the changing time story that's better. Right. The personal element comes in when it's Picard with the whole mother thing, which doesn't, which to me again, the, didn't. Great great granddaughter or whatever. Yeah. Didn't, anyway, all right. Let's discuss well. that nonsense any further. <laughs> no, that well, that was my last thought on it. But yes, yeah. Um, but so I think there's a lot to discuss here, which is going to make this a little tough to get going. There's a lot to discuss. Yeah. Uh, this episode ran a little bit longer than the usual ones. Okay. But my God, did it! It did so much. In just the hour and I think it was six minutes. It was like the hour, an hour and six minutes, and it mm -hmm. just did so much. And they even managed to give us Scotty without making me yeah frustrated. Yeah. But was, that was the only goofy. Um, that was goofy. Yeah, it was. But and I didn't mind it because it was the, it was so inoffensive. But it's just. It just it everything about this episode worked. Everything was done. It you really can use the word tastefully. Tasteful. No, I, what it, what it does for me is it reinforces my belief that giving Pike a glimpse into his future was an was a real stroke of writing genius. I feel like it was something on Discovery they did in that moment, right? I don't know how far along, if, even if they were, with Strange New Worlds at that time. But and Strange and let's let's look at it this way too. Strange New Worlds they could have just decided to ignore that completely, right? Right. But they took that decision yeah. and gave us an absolutely not just fantastic character, but like some really really great stories related to this yeah, yeah. Um, so i think we, i guess we should give discovery credit for that for setting this up right and, exactly yeah um the thing that i think is so cool is that this is this aspect of his story is kind of over now yeah so i wasn't I don't want to say that I was never expecting it to come to a conclusion. I just kind of felt like it would kind of fizzle away and then it would sort of come up again when the series ended. Mm. But it kind of came to a conclusion and I thought, oh, I actually wasn't really expecting that to happen. But I guess... Yeah, he's definitely secure in his accepting his fate now. But I think... I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad it did because the more I dig into it, I kind of feel like... It's a great idea. It's a great story. I love that they added this element to Pike. But I don't want to keep coming back to this over the course of the next couple of years. Because it's like, what else can you do with it? Right? He's got to do something. Like, he needs to do something about this. Right? And I think very much like the Mabenga story, 
it wasn't intrusive. I mean, it was interesting, but it wasn't intrusive. Mm-hmm. But it kind of felt like I could see this kind of running, dry, you know, drying up if they keep coming back to this. So it needs to be brought to some kind of conclusion, I think. Yes. And I do think that it did. It does make it would have been strange to just ignore it because I yeah. think if anyone found out they were going to die at a point, they would try to do something to right. prevent it, no matter how right. virtuous of a person they are. Yeah. But the episode raises a question before we get into the detail detailing of the episode. It raises a question I do want to um, ask you. I thought about this after my second time watching it. All right. So since we're given a sort of alternate take on an original series episode, Balance of Terror, you know, you but you know you see a lot of the same camera moves, a lot of the same lines being spoken, right? And mm-hmm. I looked at it saying to myself, you know, it's like, it's sort of like if they were to remake Balance of Terror line by line, scene by scene, and just modernize it, I feel like, I think it, it, the show has managed to sh- prove to me that you could remake an original series episode and modernize it, and it still works. And that got yeah. me thinking, if, I know you kind of refer to Strange New Worlds as this, but let's just say for fun, speculate for fun. If they remake, could you now envision them, say, deciding to, if they decided to, somebody decided to remake the original series and modernize it, could you actually see that happening as a result, you know, because of what we saw in this episode? No. No? No. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, do you ever, th- I'm not asking you if you think it will happen. I'm asking you, like, could you imagine it happening oh, and actually working um, because of what I we saw? I think it would definitely work. And I think one of the most interesting things is that I feel if someone were watching this show, this episode, rather, and they had never seen the original series. I don't think any of the cinematography or lighting would have thrown anyone off. I don't think they would have thought, "What's, what's going on? This show's so weird looking." Right. So it was subtle. Um, it but was subtle. knowing it, we know when you see that someone is close up and they're dark except for their eyes. Yeah, I forget what they call it. It's a certain technique. I forget what they call that. It's a very weird one. Yeah. Um, but we saw some of that and the zoom in on Spock, which I love right. because you would never see a zoom in like that on this show normally. No. Pike enters the bridge, and if you watch carefully, he walks the same sort of. Anson Mounted said he was trying to mimic Shatner's entrance. Yeah. And he walks yeah. down and he walks across the front of the bridge, across the, you know, helm. Yep. There were turns. Right. right when he walked in the he same way. puts his hand out like it's the exact same but you know the thing is i know they're mimicking the original series but that didn't look dated to me at all no i mean it's just a guy walking in a room no but the way but, it was shot didn't seem outdated okay. to me you know the production style of that did not seem outdated to me it still yeah, worked I think what they did is they managed to you know not go the full um it was they taste- to, essentially they did it in a way that it still looked modern enough. Like, right. You remember in the original series, whenever there's a close up, they sort of put that soft focus on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you could, so they didn't, we weren't doing things like that because that would have seemed very strange. Silly. Well, um, and the helmets, they didn't have the goofy helmets on the Romulans. What you're saying is it was tastefully done. Well, I'm saying it was, it was tastefully done, but also it was, it was, done selectively so to yes. maintain enough of a modern look that's the thing they cherry picked elements from this from balance of terror and they cherry picked really good ones and made and made them work really really well yes ones yeah. that you people will remember i guess the only one that doesn't fully make sense would be ortegas taking on the role of the oh, um, lieutenant styles lieutenant yeah. style yeah 
one who was when Kirk told him to keep his bigotry in his quarters because he yeah. doesn't have room for it on his bridge. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice. Um, I don't know that that was yeah. something. Ortega's definitely had it to a lesser extent, but I, I I don't know that it was something that was totally needed. I thought like I could have gotten by like because that's so it feels so out of character for her, and it made me asking myself. I was asking myself, so what the hell happened to you a couple of years ago that made you that makes right. you think this way? You know, and, and it wasn't the bigotry part. It was just more she was questioning the captain's orders. Right. So it was different in that way. Right. Um, like everybody was the same except for her. Like she was just sort yeah. of filling that role, and she was even seated in that place. Like they yeah, even that switched. Fun. That was really fun. That they had some of the similar camera angles too of yeah. flipping her around and saying. Saying yeah. her line. But that was that was an interesting that was an interesting choice, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um I would say the most radically different choice to do that because it was definitely her character was definitely much different than what we had seen than what we, you know, see every week. So Yeah. Yeah. And they chose not to give Uhura a wig. I know. I thought oh, give her the give her the wig and give and that actually that came up on the ready room, I think. Dead, yeah. She yeah. said she did not get the beehive hairdo. She seemed bummed that she didn't get the beehive. I hairdo. kind of wish she did. I really wish that if they if they had just gone that extra mile and just given yeah. it, that would have been. I would have loved that. Would have been. Yeah, um, but in a lot of ways, this episode is like um, basically the ghost of Christmas future, right? It's Pike getting a glance at himself in the future, and you know what I loved. I'm going to turn to you for a second here, Mr. Cosplayer. Seeing Pike in the Wrath of Khan movie-era uniform. Yes, and I love how it was barely updated. Barely updated. Just You just had the they shoulder stuff. They did. And he had, he had uh, instead of it going completely straight across, the, yeah. the full overflap, it kind of went down. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I thought that was great. And Jesus it, Christ, he That was another that. thing where, hey, that works too. Yes. When you just modernize it a tiny bit right but my god did anson mount look good in that uniform i thought to myself like and that's a really that's a really great uniform i've seen like cosplayers like that's a hard uniform to to cosplay to, to make yeah that's a tough very, one very like yeah. high-ranking navy officer it does yeah vibe. um yeah i was a little distracted because i was looking i'm thinking did they age him up i guess they did but they i couldn't did. put my finger on what they did to change him because it wasn't very major it wasn't. Um, he, but he had. They had aged him up. Like his face was a little bit, gut was a little heavier. I think even slightly droopier. Oh uh, yeah. But it's weird. It didn't seem like they did it. I think a lot of it just came across in his performance. Quite honestly. Yeah, they should have given was, him a um, like a little Shatner fat suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the ghost of Christmas future comes with a time crystal to tell because the whole crux of it is we're at outpost. Four, four, and we meet the uh, station attendant with his son, and his son happens to be one of the people, one of the kids who gets killed years later from on that uh, cadet ship that Pike is trying to save, where he has his accident. So, and if you if you you know y'all recall, he was looking through the list of uh, cadets to see who was on board and get more information about them, and they're just kids at this point. So if he meets one of them, and now it's sort of hitting home for him. And now this really kind of sets everything in motion that he's going... And he starts writing a letter to him, basically, telling him to not do it. And that's when all the events get set in motion when he gets visited by the, uh, you know, again, the ghost of Christmas. The ghost of Starfleet future, I guess, is the way to uh, best way to put this. Pike future. 
Yes, because he finds out, yes, that he has put into action these um, set of events that yeah. is very bad. I mean, he doesn't know exactly what. Right. Right. So, it's interesting to do that. So, did we see the actual letter? The letter was going to what, tell him not to join Starfleet? Yeah, he, he starts reciting it. We see a little bit of it. And yeah. um, he gets in. A, he gets about one and a half sentences in, and mm. then future self comes back and you know warns him to not do this. Mm. So they bring back the whole uh, corny element of time crystals and everything. So it's kind of bringing some discovery baggage with it, but that's fine. <laughs> and uh, but he lets him use the time crystal to go seven years into the future and actually see what it was, to, and just sort of to get an idea of what happens. And that, of course, takes us right into the middle of Balance of Terror. And we get to see Balance of Terror play out if Captain Pike was the captain at that time. Yeah. Which, which is interesting because you've got to assume... I wonder if in, in the writing process they sort of thought they were going to do this and then thought, okay, we could pick any episode. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that doing the episode was a bad idea. I love that they chose an existing original series episode. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, and I and I think it's it it it's great because it all worked exceptionally well. Yes. But if they chose not to do that, and just do do a more original idea, I mean, I, I guess we could sort of speculate oh. in any way possible. But you know, do you feel like? I guess what I'm saying is like, do you feel like the it worked better because it's a it's an episode, it's an existing episode that we know and are familiar with, or do you yes. think if they had gone an original down an original path, maybe it just wouldn't be hitting as hard? I think it wouldn't hit as hard because we know, well, even if we didn't know, but we know what is quote unquote supposed to happen. Right. So we're right. in it with them in right. a way. Um, right. Actually, it's a good use, I believe, of, well, if you, for many people that have seen the episode, it's a good use of dramatic irony where we know something that the characters don't know. Yes. Um, and so we feel it more when we see him doing something that's different because right. we kind of know, oh, no, 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 is that what you're supposed to do here? No, you know what, you're right. Uh, because also the way where the episode ends, I have an idea of something. So it kind of, the episode ended, the events of the episode ended with me drawing a pretty big conclusion that has, uh, you know, ramifications for the franchise. So, which, and I'll get there when we, uh, you know, okay, in yeah. the time comes. But so yeah i mean and it it opens up in balance of terror it's pike you know it's it's basically pike in place of kirk you know we yeah, see pike one interesting thing is they're not there because of a call they're there for routine retrofit and upgrade right and then then hell breaks loose exactly a little difference right right right, right. and but they even shoot you know we're in the wedding scene the in the opening scene of the of balance yeah. of terror same people yeah. getting married Angela Martin, Robert Tomlinson. And, you know, somebody commented, well, where's Yeoman Rand? And I said, well, Rand is not Pike's Yeoman. Rand is yeah. Kirk's Yeoman. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, well, where's the dude who was sitting in Ortega's Where's chair? Where's McCoy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Scotty's on the other ship. It's a different timeline. Right, right. So, and events begin to play out just as they did in Balance of Terror, at least in the beginning. But then they sort of take a quick turn. Well, Pikes, of course, is like a little confused by this whole thing. And he goes to Spock and he actually tells Spock what's going on. Because Pike's a little sort of yeah. thrown off by this whole thing. And, you know, they do a mind meld. Spock's now aware of all of this. 
So they just sort of proceed. Pike decides I'm just going to, you know, try to proceed as best I can through this whole situation. And then, of course, the Romulans begin to attack. You know, everything sounds familiar. They're using the same lines of dialogue. So we're in familiar territory. We know everything is sort of playing out one-to-one at this point until uh, somebody shows up. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, yeah, so we got our Kirk, which I'm fine with because it was an alternate timeline. An alternate future, but yes. Yes. So the interesting thing is that so I'm not, or I think we both said on our first viewing, we kind of felt like Pike was being really kind of weak, and it seemed like everyone was walking all over Pike. Right. On second viewing, I, I didn't feel that way. And no, I think neither did I. Kirk had some disagreements, but I did. The thing that I put together was that I think George Sam Kirk, his conversation with Pike, changed what Pike would have done because he essentially hinted to Pike like my brother is unreliable and he's a hothead and he's going to fuck this whole thing up. Right. And right. so then I think he put the idea into Pike's head. So then Pike is kind of thinking, okay, well I can't go along with Kirk because his brother just told me that he's going to, you know, he right. can't really be right. relied on in that way. Now, so I think that is what changed my um attitude about it. My and I don't think that he was dumb cuz sorry, just one more point. That's right. That was my other problem. I thought like, well Pike is very capable. He would have been able to figure his way out of this. Yeah. And I do think that, yeah, Sam poisoned him a little bit. I drew the same conclusion you did, but at a different point. For me, it was the conversation with Pike and Kirk at the end, where Kirk says, have you ever thought about how sometimes you just can't avoid a fight? Because Pike tried to go about it the diplomatic way. And he would have actually been successful had it not been for that Romulan aboard the Romulan ship. But it's like, right. you know, even if we see a captain, quote unquote, fail, that doesn't mean they're not a good captain, right? I think Kirk's point is valid. Sometimes you just cannot avoid a fight. Sometimes yeah. you cannot negotiate your way out of it, right? It's going to happen. And I think that's okay. I, I, I would say it's more alarming because we've not really seen Pike fail yet. So and well and I shouldn't even say no. Pike did not fail. It's not even this isn't even his fault. It's not that's not it's not his fault at all. It's the Romulans' fault. Um, I mean it's his fault. You could you could I guess you could make an argument that it is his fault because he initiates it and then the Romulan that other Romulan commander doesn't believe it. So you know you could make an argument there, but like, but it's just. Pike didn't fire first. Pike didn't shoot. Pike didn't start the war. I mean, because given what they know, right. There's there was no evidence to say that Pike's way was definitely wrong. Right. It definitely wouldn't work. Right. Kirk's way definitely would have worked because they they don't know anything about what's going to happen. It got me so, thinking. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It got me, but it also got me thinking about the first episode of Discovery when Michael started the Klingon War. Right. Right. Um, and how, you know. She started the war. I mean, again, it was Michael's intuition, as it always is. But we didn't know that at the time. But Michael was using what she knew. And, you know, she may get blamed for the Klingon war. But it's not like... It's also violating the orders of her captain, right? That was the problem. That was the problem. Exactly. So, 
But, you know, the reputation she got was the one, oh, the one who started the Klingon War. Well, yes. no, she gave them a Vulcan hello, which is what, you know, Klingons yeah. would have, yeah. So Right, and, yeah, she thought Klingon killed her parents, so um, certainly uh, was biased. I want to ask you, now, the appearance of Kirk was a bit of a surprise, because as far as we knew, he was not appearing until season two. So, yes. yeah. I wish this was the only time we saw him. Honestly. I actually, for a minute, thought, did they just lie to us, and is this going to be his only appearance, and that's Ew, it? That would have been so fantastic. It was just a way to hide this. Right. Surprise? Oh, it would have been great. But the problem because is... Because I didn't like it as Kirk. Well, because the problem is, we the leaked set photos showed him with Leon in her red shirt. In and what, what looks we like know a now is that Leon is on his, the Farragut, his ship. Is that what right. was called? The Farragut, correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah, first um, time we got to see the Farragut as well. So they, so maybe that still does happen. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, would make sense. Well, because don't forget, Leon in this alt future was wearing gold. She wasn't wearing red. So yeah, fair. There's a but also given the fact that Leon knew about Una's deception, right. Maybe that plays into it, or she can't go back to. Or the, maybe the set photos are fucking lying. It's not even the case at all. <laughs> I don't think they're. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, no, this isn't, this isn't JJ Abrams. No, but what I was going to ask you was, um, forgetting that it's like an alternate future. I don't even think that matters. To tell you the truth, what did you think of Paul Wesley's performance as Kirk? Did you get I the? Like it? No, like- I I didn't really care for it either. Um, he didn't. Uh, he didn't strike me as being Kirk at all. Right. And I mean, some have defended it by saying, well, it's an alternate future. I said, that doesn't matter, though. It's still yeah. Kirk. It's still James T. Kirk. I understand, but Kirk yeah, is so Kirk. Spock, yeah. Spock's performance is informed by something. Right. He's a little bit different. Not that much, but he's a little bit different because there's a reason. So I don't know what he's He is the captain of a ship right. already. So he should still should have some confidence in himself and some bravado. Maybe he's a little younger, but that would be about it. Right. So, yeah, I didn't get that at all. No. And, and I just didn't, the actor just seemed to be like, it was, you know, sometimes you see an actor and you just think, this is just, I'm sure it's, he does, it's not really that, but it just feels like this is just this guy talking the way he normally talks. It doesn't seem like even a performance. No. Just, and, you know, and I, and I have to say this, right? You know, like when, you know, you can say with certain films and whoever, like, there are just some things that you cannot redo, right? And, you know, look. As good as Chris Pine is in the films, I mean, I think he's fine. Yeah. But he did a good job. He did a good job, I think. But I still believe in my heart of hearts that like William Shatner's performance at James C. Kirk is just is so good and so it's just so well done. It's so specific. It's just you can't. I just don't think it's a role on quite honestly, you can recast. All right. Chris Pine. Not with. Also, like that with this little skinny guy, that also threw me off. Well, right, like he just, you know, he doesn't look anything like him. I think you know, I'm of the mind that, you know, you have to look like him a little bit, right? Yeah. But I think like if you can, if you can sort of mimic, or sort of embody the performance of William Shatner, even if you don't, yeah. ma- even if you don't really look like him, my mind will just, you know, yeah. and fill in I the think rest Chris of it. Chris Pine did do well. Chris Pine did enough. Chatnerisms, right? Without being a, a bad impression, right? Which I'm sure it's not easy to do, but 
Right. This but person seemed like they didn't even try. This guy, I, I just, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And maybe, you know, maybe he gets better at season in season two. I mean, who knows? At this point, though, I, I just didn't, I didn't buy it. I don't think the fact that it's an alternate future should really change change that about it. No. Yeah. I mean, let's say he was less confident. That would make sense. You know, that would be informed right. by the situation. But this was just. It didn't seem to have any rhyme or reason. But he's not. The thing is, he's not younger. I mean, this is still the. He's the oh, age right. Kirk it's would not, be. Yeah. He's yeah. the age Kirk oh. would be in Balance yeah. of Terror. Right. Different, so, different experience, but yeah. So then, yeah, he, if he was less confident because he hadn't been the captain of the flagship, maybe that would be about it. But he's right. just as confident. Right. So I, I just, yeah, I, I, I think if I had to say anything negative about the episode, and you know, I think it would be that i i wasn't fully on board with that with that aspect of it i'm I'm sorry to say so um but i liked kirk being there because it led to something at the end of the episode that i thought you know makes perfect sense but kirk of course comes in unlike in balance of terror with the enterprise being the only ship dealing with this romulan ship kirk comes in on the farragut he's captain of the farragut leon is on the farragut with him and my initial thought was, why do you need to be here? Balance of Terror is just one ship against one ship. Why is the Farragut here? So I was sort of, on my initial viewing, I kind of thought, I don't think this ship needs to be here. Why is Kirk here right now? What is this for? Okay. It wasn't until much later where it made where it made full sense to me, right? And that also played into what you and I were talking about upon the initial viewing was, we again, we felt like Pike was being lowered to elevate Kirk because it's hinted at multiple times, right? When yeah. Spock says to Pike that this could play out differently with another Enterprise captain. Of course, we all know who the fuck he's talking about, right? Yes, and I really love how... They, I do love that scene where, essentially, in case somebody's not keeping up, Spock just lays out, here's the premise of the episode, in case you're not paying attention. Yes, yes. That was good. That was very well done. Yeah. So... um What I thought was interesting was... This is where the episode begins to deviate quite a bit from Balance of Terror in terms of the events that play out. There is still some minor parallels, but you now have two ships against one Romulan ship. What I thought what I thought was really interesting was, you know, as we know in Balance of Terror, Kirk goes up against the Romulan commander and they're playing a battle of, you know, it's submarine warfare, right? Pike decides to go the diplomatic route, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting, right? Yeah. Because it's not really made clear to him by his older self how the events play out. He just knows the result. And so he thinks, oh, well, they're at, they're at, the Romulans are at war in that timeline. So let me try the diplomatic approach. Maybe I can avoid it completely. Oh, that's a right? good point, too. Because yeah. if you think about the way Kirk did it in Balance of Terror, you would think, oh, surely that's going to start a war because the two of them are going up against each other. So I think in Pike's mind, he says, well, let me try it diplomatically. I can avoid I can avoid a war, right? It could be. He yeah. never said that. Though. No, no, no. But I think that's that's what I took from it. That's how well, I he, that's how I viewed it. Was he just was was his past self just I mean his future self just telling him I need to show you what happens. See, I I don't know. Like he tells him that you know the he shows tells him that the future is bleak. He tells him after the fact that they're at war with the Romulans, right? But I think in in sort of present-day Pike's mind. Going up against the Romulans 
could mean this could be, I mean, this could be bad, right? Maybe this is the future that my older self was talking about, right? So let me try to do this diplomatically and attempt to potentially avoid what could be a bad situation escalating, right? I don't think that he knew at that point that the war was happening. Mm. I, my, my, my interpretation of it, if there's an interpretation to be made, is that he chose the diplomatic route, not because that's how it played out. I don't think he knew that. I think he chose a diplomatic route in an attempt to save the moment, to, to prevent a potentially bad future from occurring, even though he didn't really know what that future was just yet. I, and I disagree. I think he was yeah. doing, I think he was just doing what he would, he was just handling it how he would handle it. Yeah. Except that because of what Sam said, right. he sort of was going against what Kirk was doing. So do you think that Pike did it like he was just sort of going through the motions? Like he didn't do it thinking he could try to change anything? Yeah, it is a little weird because I, yeah. I think that his future self was just showing him, I'm going to show you what happens. Right. Even though Pike did tell him. Because he could have, what, right. if he, what if he pulled it out somehow and then it didn't happen and he could go back and say, hey, man, what are you talking about? This went fine. Well, see, but see, that's the thing, right? I, I think that Pike's attempt to try to fix it resulted in the bad future happening. And then he's, that sort of communicated to him after the fact that no matter what happens, Spock still dies. This like yeah, so that's something. Things, no matter what he did, things st- so still going to happen. You're making the same mistake that the writers of Strange New Worlds always make. I he am. does not die. Yes, Spock does not die. Just like Pike does not die. Die in quotes. Well, they don't know that. No, he doesn't die. <laughs> he gets put into a box. He's in a wheel. I mean, geez, it's it's really no. Spock died. Spock. Strange. I'm not talking about Pike. I'm no, talking about Spock. Spock. Dying. Oh yeah, he might die, but that's what I'm I think talking the, about. What we get is that he's going to be in the box. Well, no, I mean, because Spock dies as a result of the battle with the Romulans because they shoot where he's repairing the weapons. He doesn't die. Yeah, he does. No, he does not die. He's in the medical bay. Yeah, but he's not dead. But what, what, okay, what, he's not dead, Kirk but it's says, suggested that Kirk he's Kirk not... Says, if he makes it, he will never be the same, suggesting, I think, that he's going to be in the box with the light. He's gonna, he get, the base is melted off. He gets the same... You think Spock's going to be in the box with the light other than Pike? Yes. He gets the same outcome, oh. I think, because his face is melted halfway off. Oh, no, I don't think that at all. I think that, oh, yeah. no, no, I don't believe that at all. I think that Nurse Come Chapel on. says, even if even if he makes it, that, that doesn't mean that yeah. he will. Yeah. So he's still, you and I are disagreeing, but it's like a, it's like, it's like either or. It's like 50-50. Yeah. Either way it could happen, point. right? It yeah. doesn't really matter. Right. But I think it's so, po- it's so poetically set up that like his, because half of his face is melted. That's the, that's the big tip off. Yes. That- but it's the same fate as Pike. But you forget. But don't forget when P- older Pike says he he dies no matter what, and then he you know whether it's now or later, clearly referring to the events of the rest. Dies or just that he yes. has his face melted off. No, and no, he no. Gets put into a box with one light. No on. matter what you do, you can't save him. I don't know where you're getting this box of the light thing. I think you just you know I, the death to me was clearly. Yeah, you can't save him, but save him from his fate, not from his death. All right, this is no point. No, no, no. Could... Just let me finish the sentence. Yes. Because older Pike says to him, he's going to die no matter what. I thought he said you can't, no matter you what can't you do, you can't save him. That doesn't mean he dies. But so you he, can save but someone from... Let me finish what I'm saying. He's referring, referring to what eventually happens to Spock in the Wrath of Khan. Spock does die in the Wrath of Khan, even though he comes back to life, right? Spock is, whether he dies before or later, it's still going to happen to him, 
I don't agree that he's gonna that Pike the Spock's gonna basically switch places with Pike. I don't agree with that at all. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was the whole thing was that he is, and he says it somewhat that I traded my fate for Spock's. No, I looked at it as Spock's death, and I thought of the Wrath of Khan. Oh no, no, because yeah. he says it directly. He does say I traded my my fate for Spock's. Right. But okay, we'll agree to disagree. He didn't say I traded my box with the light with Spock. No, but I mean, my, <laughs> faith, when he says his faith, that's all in plot. I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I wish he did say that. Yeah, yeah. Spock got a box instead of me. Although you could yeah. say that the torpedo he was buried in in the Wrath of Khan was a box. If every time they talk about what happened, so even Nurse Chapel. And like, it did have a light a on it. He's going to be in a box with a light for the rest of his life. And then Pike would say, um, yeah. you can't stop him from being put in a box with a light for the rest of his life. <laughs> um, so, and I think as a result, I forgot where I left off with all of this. But, um, but so, but what I, where I was going was now, like I said to you, I originally was not happy that Kirk was there because I thought, what's the point of this? Again, we thought, I thought, Pike was being lowered to elevate Kirk. But then it occurred to me on the second viewing, no, I know exactly why he's here. Because if you remember when all the, after, you know, all these events take place, Pike is actually speaking with Kirk in the alternate future and says, you know, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? From Iowa. And they have this really good conversation. And this is after, you know, Kirk has, even though Kirk didn't save the day, but, you know, he definitely, you know, sort of helped with, you know, getting the, that fleet of automated ships to come with them. Mm -hmm. I think that after all is said and done, you know, Pike retains all this information from the ultimate future. And then, because now this is never stated in canon, but I think the events experienced in this episode in the ultimate future is what Pike, is why Pike decides to make Kirk his successor of the Enterprise years later. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Could be. That's just what I, you know, that's just what I took from it. Um, even though Kirk yeah. says, you know, I didn't meet him until he was promoted to fleet captain, you know, in the actual timeline. Yeah, but, I didn't have to meet him to right. say, you should put this guy in charge. There's nothing that says that Pike is the one who chooses Kirk to be his right. successor. Or that you can allow captains to pick their successors. Right. Well, he becomes fleet captain at that point, so maybe I don't know what the uh, you know privileges of a fleet oh, yeah, captain are. Yeah, fleet captain would definitely. So a fleet, fleet captain, captain could you know be the one to say, you know, that's a good point, Jim Kirk. Now, unless you know, it, but it makes me wonder. You know, is that Kirk coming back? Well, no, Pike can't meet Kirk, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, he can't. Which is why it doesn't. They're yeah. gonna put him on next season. I don't. I, I mean, I don't want to think too hard about it. We'll just have to see what happens. But I don't think that... I, I, I do trust them. But yeah, yeah. I can't see it. I can't imagine how it could be done well. Right. Yeah. But that's that's how I viewed it. I mean, the whole thing was a setup for Kirk's eventual captaincy. I think it's it's basically the origins of how Kirk becomes the captain of the Enterprise later on. Interesting. Um, I see it, and I sort of may have gotten this from, I don't want to give full credit, from something I said on the ready room, but 
I see it as a setup for why Spock does the out of character um, action of you know commandeering a vessel and and taking Pike. Um, it was essentially the menagerie, the events of the menagerie, right? Because he he recognizes at the end that Pike has uh, Pike could have gotten out of his horrible fate, but it would have given right. Spock some kind of horrible fate. And right. he can't do it because he cares too much about Spock. Right. And so Spock accepts that. He really recognizes it. And, and then that's probably why later when he sees the opportunity to help Pike, he does it. Yeah, that that last sort of scene with the two of them where they, you know, discuss how much they appreciate each other. I saw that as direct as a direct tie-in to the menagerie. Because if you remember, like up until we've seen the show, and even Discovery in some ways, it's never really clear... Because we've only there's only one episode with Pike and Spock, you know, before any of these shows, so it's not really clear to us why they're so tight. That why Spock would go to the length of just taking his former captain and you know helping him, right? But this kind of really adds more meat to that decision. Like it, it, it makes more sense now. It gives more meaning to why Spock does what he does in the menagerie. Which I, thought, which I thought was a little odd in some ways because, at first, because Spock is not the first officer. You know, Una is the first officer. So I was always sort of curious. He's in jail. Particularly in the early part of this season, really the first episode. What the relationship between Pike and Spock was going to be. Because, again, Una is the first officer, not Spock. Right. So... Is it, and maybe this is where it's headed for the season, is it that does Spock eventually become Pike's first officer? I mean, there's no right. There's Given no canon for that. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And it is, it, I, my thought maybe was because they, they went through so much with Discovery. Right. That, that maybe is why they were close, even though he's not the number one. Right. They kind of played it like he was, though, weirdly enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But and he, and he does he definitely does sit in the chair when nobody's around, or when you know they need someone. So he's what must be third in command or something. Well, he was in this episode, but that was the all future, not Una. That's true. Which That's which true. I have to. I mean, we have to discuss this, obviously. Um, you know, it's hinted at. Well, not actually, not really hinted. It's just said directly. It's total opposite. So because Una is not in this ultimate future. And Pike is wondering why. And Leon yeah. tells her because of her deception. Now, at first yeah. I thought to myself, what deception? And then, and then I was like, oh, right. The whole, uh, yes. That's yeah. The big, big deception. Yeah. Right? The big deception from episode uh, two. What was it? Two. Uh, I'm not sure. But early in the season, early in the season. Yes. I thought this was handled interestingly because on second viewing, there was a, a really, really smart, um, foreshadowing of this right when you've got uh pike and his girlfriend captain battelle mm. are having um you know scrambled spaghetti <laughs> they um we already talked about that they're talking about the romulans and, and he says how you know the romulans get blamed for a lot of things that you know may not really be them and pike's girlfriend captain battelle says uh well it must have been their fault then 
So she has this very like it reminds yeah. me of conversations that people have nowadays when they talk about well you know you want to say that these people commit crimes but it, you know it's only because the, they police them more aggressively or you know like right. a more nuanced conversation about why there's more crime in certain neighborhoods and, and mm. she's very cut and dry just like they do crime so they get arrested like you know yeah. what's the big deal yeah um so I thought that was interesting she's very much like a cut and dry there's right and there's wrong and there's no gray area for it i thought they did a really nice job of bookending it if you remember the show the series opened up with pike serving her a meal mm, just like yeah. in this episode doing the that exact same thing yep dinner right though and that was dinner. no that, that was breakfast too i think yeah it was the morning they just fucked all night in the first episode there was breakfast he was serving her uh pancakes i believe i'm sure there might have been yeah. an egg in there and then now he's serving leftover pasta. Yeah, we it was, yes, yes. Maybe uh, future pancakes. Well, you see him. Them. You see him sliding the pancake off the spatula. So, yeah. um, so she's back for this one. But yeah, I mean the. So let me ask you this: Did you? So when it was revealed earlier in the season that Una was an Ilarian, and you know she said nobody can know. If yeah. if we know, then I'll get thrown out of Starfleet and Pike says, let me deal with that. Be honest. Did you think that was going to be a thread they would revisit at least? Maybe I, in the moment, but after that episode, I kind of just didn't think about it. Yeah. I I It never really entered my mind that maybe they would come back to this at some point, at least not so soon. Um, so, and the fact that they did, and they actually came at it like you know really in some ways aggressively was a real shock because i didn't forget about it but i just didn't think that it was going to really i, I didn't think it was going to come up again at least for a while right and and you know like we say the show does um it doesn't revisit things just to revisit them it sort of right. set them up and then do other things and then come back to them well it's also <sighs> Sorry if I'm going down this road. I haven't... I didn't forget about it. Like, I mean, I filed it away and just didn't think, oh, you know, it's never going to come up again. But there are so many things that... So many seeds planted throughout the season that they're just planted and then they come back, they come back later on. And I haven't forgotten about them, right? I'm just like, oh, right. Yeah, they're going to do that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, th this seems to be like setup, payoff, setup, payoff. It's it's weird to me that this is not a season long story arc, and yet I'm still able to just like remember these threads. It, in a way, it almost feels like there's not a lot going on, and yet there is at the same time. Like I'm just I'm not having any difficulty remembering all of this. When you're dealing with like, you know, I give discovery grief. Like oh, you know, they plant this and it comes back later on. Why are they doing this? What does this have to do with anything? I think it's because there's not an overall narrative. These things are like you know coexisting with. Right. Well, I think one issue is that they're not given sufficient weight on Discovery, so we don't remember. Yeah, lost offline. Right. Whereas this had significant weight. This was a big part of that main episode, and we saw the emotional interaction between yeah Una and Lana. So, I think that's what it is. They don't give them enough time and space. On because Discovery. because they have so much going on on that show that when you throw in all these additional plot lines, you're like, well, wait, what does this have to do with anything? And why are they, why are we dealing with this now? Why is this important? Because there's a, 
there's a mystery box element to it, right? That we want to see, you know, develop. But then you're dealing with something like, oh, you know, Michael doesn't feel like she's belong that she belongs, and it's like, okay. And then you do three episodes on that, and you forget your main narrative. So yeah, I mean, I guess I think for me, just not having a main storyline throughout the season really helps me to just, you know, not forget about those things. That makes sense. Because yeah, I'm not focused. Your mystery. Because I'm not hyper focused. Because I'm not hyper focused on something. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about um, Pike's girlfriend? Well, I have different thoughts on her now because she arrested my number one. Um, yeah. She was, <laughs> but she was very sorry. She was really is sorry. She was. She said she was sorry four or five times. I feel like. Right. Well. I I don't really have any thoughts on her because she's I mean she's there for the first episode and she's there for the last. I mean we've not seen her since. Um she's not just not she has not been present enough on screen for me to really kind of form an to really form an opinion. Mm. Of her. What do you think about the fact that Pike has I don't know, he like he doesn't have a long-term relationship. He sort of just has a it seems more like a friends with benefits situation. Friends with benefits yeah. situation. Yeah, that's fine. I'm right with that. Yeah. yeah. I guess he also knows he's going to be horribly disfigured and paralyzed. And I want to know how they found out. Oh, that's a fair question. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I want to know how they found out about it. Yeah. Because this, this season ended what I instantly thought of with number one being taken away in cuffs. I thought, I instantly thought of the finale of Lower Decks last season. Because the same right? thing happened yeah, to Freeman. Right. And we don't know how, we don't know what's going on with that one either because that show is yet to come back. So I definitely saw some parallels there, but I, I want to know how this happened. But it does sort of beg the question because we were talking about a little while ago. Does Spock become? There's no canon to tell us what happens to Number One. There hasn't been. Right now, I'm not saying is Rebecca Romaine going to be off the show, but I hope not. But um, is this the moment where Spock gets elevated to be the first officer, at least maybe like field commission or something? I don't know. Well, you certainly know that if he had to pick someone, he would definitely pick Spock. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, could be. I mean, what else are they going to do? Just is Starfleet going to say, here's your new number one and send him somebody? Because she's not going to be around, at least for a little while. At least for a little while. Yeah. I mean, is it? It'd be really funny if like. Season three of Lower Decks and season two of Low of Strange New Worlds are basically telling us the same story: the search for number, <laughs> the search for Freeman, the search for number one, right? Um, but this is going to be—I mean, I think it's only going to be a two-part episode. I don't think this is—I don't think we're seeing some foreshadowing for a seasonal story. Well, um, so one thing that's interesting um, from you know, like I said, I watched, or as I said it to you, I suffered through the ready room. <laughs> yes, you did. Only because I can't stand Will Wheaton. Mm. But um, the writer person, uh, Alonzo Myers. Henry Alonzo Myers. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Um, he said a few things about season two. One is that like we will definitely answer the Uno question. So it's going to be taken care of. But they're going to, you know, it will be taken care they of. They have so enough goodwill on me to know that I, for me to know that they would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more Spock love life. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, how could you not? Right. And then he said... This is interesting. He said, Star Trek will do something that it has never done before. Right. 
and then it's like, well, that could be a lot of things. It could be like, a, well, you know, I mean, donkey season... having sex with another donkey. They've never done that. Season know? three, season three of Discovery was something they've never done before. Yeah, I mean, you know? uh, yeah, lots of stuff. So they I, could but, have a unicorn on the bridge. Who knows? Well, no, I, but I think I see. I like to hear that because that's true. Yes. Let, let's be let's be honest about one thing. And we've been honest the entire time anyway, but. I was, I've been lying. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. I hate when people say that. I mean, and I'm just guilty of it myself. Let me be honest. As if you, as if you suggested I was not being honest up until this point. Yeah. I like that. Um, this has been a fantastic season of Star Trek. I, I'm so pleased with the results of Strange New Worlds and how good the season has been. And just, and just how much everybody loves it. But. There is a but. But, but, but. If you and I have complained about anything it's been the show's kind of obsession with lore connecting things right like we oh right like we we want them to kind of okay it's fine we know we, like we know that the show we know where the show lives we get this you know george kirk all that stuff mm-hmm. so when i hear henry alonzo myers say that mhm great oh awesome. that's true so yeah just take the show stop like throwing in all these cute references to like yeah, yeah. this episode and that episode they're all fine and i you know i i eat them all up but i i want the show to really carve out its own territory i agree and, more. and it's great it's great that so they, he was asked essentially what can you tell us about next season right and his answer could have been like well, you're gonna see some more familiar favorites you know but right no and I'm right. sure we will see more familiar favorites, but no, his focus was on we're doing something new, which that is good. That is a good sign. That's I, a very good. I, I think you know, in a, in a, in a way, I feel like the show is sort of doing what Lower Decks did in the first season, which is it needs to prove itself, right? It needs to. It's a show that wants to profess its love with the to the original series and you know win all those people over and bring them on board. I get it. So they they want to sort of tie into the original series as much as they can. I don't really know that that was necessary, but okay. Either way, I loved it. Great, fantastic, fantastic show. Absolutely love it. So, but next season, I want them to just sort of get away from all of that and just really make it its own thing. Truly make it its own thing. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. And have it do something new that's very exciting and fun seeming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. But they're going to get a 10 forward. That's not canon. There was no 10 forward on the Enterprise. Oh, Pike has a ready room. That shouldn't be canon either. But I was complaining about that as far back as Enterprise went. So. Um, it is. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Now, looking back, I know we're going to probably do an episode on the whole season, but we will. you mentioned all the, how we kind of gripe about the characters and all the little callbacks. The cute callbacks, yeah. But thinking back on the season, I think for me, usually that was more of a fear of what they were going to do. Right. But looking back, I don't think they did anything that I didn't like. It all um, it all made sense. It was never done for the sake of doing it. It all made sense in the context of the story yeah, they were telling. Like I was really bummed about Sam Kirk, but then he showed up hardly at all. Right. He and became a running not, joke to us. He became a sort of yeah. a running joke to us. Yeah. Yes. And now we like I, 
I gotta believe that that's the only time we're gonna encounter Scotty. Oh god, I, I hope so. Because you heard me saying, I mean, you remember me saying after the death of Hemmer, like I hope this isn't them wanting yeah. to bring in no. Scotty. I hope so too. Yeah. Right. Um, that was, um, you know, and that was the cute. Like I said, that was a cool, cute one, which was fine. I just, I what I what I what I didn't want Strange New Worlds to be, and this still holds true for me. I, what I don't want the show to be is to be a show that's all about planting the seeds, planting the seeds right. for what we eventually see in the original series. Right, you can do some of that, and it has, but that can't be all the show is. That's all I'm saying. Yes, and I, I think that it has. Right. As much as it's been there, it's never gone too far. No. And I think that's great. And I think and maybe George Sam Kirk was just there for this episode to to plant that seed, you know. Yeah. I think we'll see in that that kind of you know you you bring me back to a thing that I've you know I've said about the show very often actually. You know when you talk about those seeds you talk about even pertaining to specific plot lines. Don't you feel like nothing on this show has ever really overstated nothing has overstated its welcome. There's never been too much of something and there's never been not enough of something. It's everything seems to be just the right amount. It's like the show can yeah. sense when enough when it's like getting borderline borderline on too much of something and they say, Okay, we gotta wrap we have to wrap this up. Okay, we have to stop with this. So nothing ever feels like it's overstayed. And not, and again, nothing ever feels like this not not enough. If anything, if there's not enough, there's just not enough episodes a season. But that's a good way to end a season by me wanting more of it. Not me saying when the fuck is this gonna end. Right. Like I've said about some other shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very true. They really have hit on it. They really, they really nailed it on this show. Yeah, and I mean, you and I definitely, you more than me, I think, had some worries. But, you know, le- you know, leading up to it, just given where we were with the previous shows and the seasons we had just watched, we were kind of nervous that maybe, you know, they wouldn't do it with this one. But... You know, they truly have managed to, um, I mean, I'll have to think about this more when we do our season review, um, but they've managed to knock it out of the park quite a bit. I mean, I think that it truly was the best season. It, I think it knocked Lower Deck season one off its pedestal for me and was mm. one of the best. It was probably the best season of modern Trek out of all those shows. Oh yeah. 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 No, it probably could. Probably is. Um, yeah, I do have uh, a point for us to discuss. (laughs) Okay. uh, Well, it's one thing that's interesting and, uh, it's something I've talked about a lot and we got it here because they were mirroring balance of terror. We got the old school scenes on the enemy ship. We did. Which we rarely ever get in New Trek. Right. Um, so what did you think of their update to the Romulans? I thought the actor that played the captain was well, fantastic. I have to... So, all right. I have to bring this up. Okay. Because I'm going to answer your question. I'll allow it. I wish, just for fun... Oh, uh, yes. They had 
cast James Fran, who Fran or Fran, who plays Sarek on Discovery. As everybody knows, Mark Leonard was the original Sarek. But before he was Sarek, he was the Romulan commander in Balance of Terror. I wish they had cast him to play the Romulan commander just as a fun nod to that. But that would have been fun. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, to your point, yes, it's mimicking because Balance of Terror did the same thing, right? But you and I have said regarding other Trek shows recently that that sort of thing we don't get. We don't we don't see enough of it from the villain's side. Right? Yes. It's always our hero side and what as much as they see with the um with you know the encounter with the villains. I think we got some of it with Osira, in my opinion, not enough. And it's definitely not enough to kind of get a clear objective from her. Right. I think that yeah. would have helped. And here it was deep because we got to see in this negotiation, what you said was thinking. And I will say, it's Matthew McFadden is yeah. the actor. Give him credit. He was quite good. He reminded me of the... And I saw this posted on Twitter and I felt really vindicated. He reminded me a lot of the main alien in Galaxy Quest. Oh. <laughs> like, he looked like him. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, is that the same guy? <laughs> and, uh, but he had like, but I think it's because like he had the same hairstyle and it just it looked in same sort of expressions. And I'm like, is that the same? Is that the guy from Galaxy Quest? <laughs> Which is weird because George Kirk reminded me of Sam Rockwell's character from Galaxy Quest. So I thought they were like giving us oh, some yeah. nice Galaxy Quest nods here, which I would not, you know, uh, say no to. But right. I think that you know, again, even though that that aspect of it is lifted out of Balance of Terror. I think we need to do we need to see more of that. I like that they were willing to do that because you know, isn't it often the case with villains that the best villains are the ones that you can either sympathize with or understand. Like a villain doesn't think that they're a villain. Right. And you at least wanna And you wanna get their perspective out on things. Yes, sometimes. you wanna know who you're going up against. Right. And yeah, it's just, for me, it's just sort of a curiosity as to why we don't see that as yeah. much. Where it was, it was played on to most episodes where you had any encountering any other ship on the original series or often even next gen. Right. So I hope that answers your question. Yes. There was no real question. I guess more of a discussion point. Oh, okay. Well, you said, what did you think? I believe so. It was a question. Yeah, <laughs> this question designed to elicit. Uh, I have a question. What is it? It's it's meant to challenge knowledge. <laughs> but that's not important yeah, right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it's all about, yeah. baby. Yeah. Um but I'll get more into this when we, ra- we talk about the season wrap up in our next episode, but I think that when all is said and done, mm-hmm. I think this was my favorite episode of the season, hands down. Hmm. Uh, that's I mean, that's fair. I think it's almost like it's, I don't know. It's hard to compare it because when you whenever you bring in an original series episode, it's almost like cheating. I can <laughs> understand that. The other episodes don't stand a chance against. No, but I think even though it's like in the shadow of Balance of Terror, right? No doubt. About, I mean, well, the the parallel lane. I guess you could. <laughs> it's a better way to put it. Um, it didn't. It didn't mimic Balance of Terror for too long. 
right? Yes, it was the backbone of the episode. But I liked the idea of it, right? It's not my favorite episode because it took an original series episode. Like, I liked the idea of the concept of Pike seeing his future and seeing events that we are very familiar with and seeing them play out in a different way. What would happen if Pike was captain in this situation, right? In a, in a way, it reminds me of Star Trek Into Darkness, where you see the events of Wrath of Khan play out in a sort of different way. But it's still the same people involved. It's still more or less somewhat the same events. This one, I thought, did a much better job of giving us an alternate version of an existing event. It wasn't just the same people and it plays out differently. It's a different captain who just goes about this in an, in an entirely different way. I mean, imagine you know, how would Best of Both Worlds have played out if Cisco was the captain or if Janeway was the captain, right? It's a situation right. specifically for that captain. And you take Kirk out of it and you put somebody else in there and you see it happen in, in an entirely different way. And I like the idea of the alternate history aspect of it. And plus I, and I'm just a big fan of this storyline with Pike and I like how they, uh, how they brought it to its conclusion this way. I just think it was a storyline that it's concluding something that started on discovery really, which is kind of very cool. Right. Um, and to do it this satisfyingly and not feel like, we were just, um, you know, wanted it just to get here. And it didn't right. feel like it had to be resolved, but it was resolved. So, yeah, that is actually quite a, quite a feat. Well, can I, and can I just say one more thing? I mean, what I, said, what I said to you earlier, before we recorded, what I said to you about watching Goodfellas made me realize, I mean, do you think in a way that applies here? Because what I to fill everybody in, what I said was, you know, I watched Goodfellas for the first time this weekend. As much as I hate to say it, I'd never seen the film. And one of the reasons why I had never what? No shame in that. You can't see everything. And one of the reasons why I never watched it is because I'm not into gangster movies. They just don't appeal to me, right? But I decided to watch it anyway. And as I began to watch it, I began to realize. This is not a movie about gangsters. This is a movie about... This is a very strongly written character piece. Mm, it's about people. It's about people. And it's well written and, you know, very enthralling and, you know... And I begin to realize that, you know, people pitch movies to me the wrong way. Somebody would say to me, it's a gangster movie, you should watch it. Well, no, that's not a selling point for me. Right? I liked it. What you should really be doing is telling me the character journey. That's that's going to get me to enjoy it. Right. And that's why I've been... That's one of the reasons why I've been enjoying Strange New World so much. Because the show has given so much development and time to its characters. And that's why I liked it so much. And that's one of the reasons why... I, and Well, that's the main reason why I liked this episode so much. So I know it was kind of a long thing to say and maybe it seemed like it might have been irrelevant, but you know, no, I think it's very relevant. Yeah. 
And as I said, uh, yeah, it, it would be like calling Star Trek a show about people who operate a spaceship. <laughs> right. Like that, right. if you describe it to someone, it's like, well, yes, that's technically true, but right. that's not telling us uh, right. what we're going to get out of the show. And that's not wrong. I mean, some, you may, somebody may, you, you may say to somebody, oh, it's a movie about gangsters. And somebody may say, oh, I'll definitely watch that. Love those right? gangster movies. But that's not for me. I mean, you could come at, you could come at Star Trek in, you know, multiple ways and you know that could be oh it's takes place in space and that could be all somebody needs oh i love that stuff so yeah yeah anything else to discuss before we wrap this up what have um, we what my, haven't we discussed in your notes yet my notes No, I think the only things are the just a couple of interesting things about the um, low ready room. Um, yeah, it's a couple of little things. One thing they how they added this thing called the galley, which is essentially a bar. Yep. But the interesting thing is that the the set designer person said. The important thing, they wanted to just have a stage for music or speeches, and I thought of Voyager. It seems like Voyager was always having these little recitals and things. So I wonder if we're going to start getting more recitals where people are going to show off their violin abilities or something. It reminded me of Enterprise, because there's a story about how um, some of the studio executives, in trying to fix the show and you know, in, you know get the ratings to go up... One of the yeah. studio's like completely fucking boneheaded ideas was to get the latest, the hottest bands to perform on the show. That's and, hilarious. And they That's said, so and they were like, "How are we gonna?" And they said, "You're gonna love this." They go, "Well, how would we? We're in, how would we do that?" And they said, "Well, you have that restaurant on the ship, don't you?" <laughs> it's the future. It's you're gonna have what? Um, Jim yeah. Blossom play. Well, I think it was like it would be like I don't know, but yeah, yeah. That's so insane. that's it reminded I me of they that, did that story. On Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, when they added the Peach Pit after dark, and then they started to have bands play. Mm. So I guess that's a go to for them. Well, then, but I, but it also in talking about and thinking about it, it makes Next Generation did that in Ten Forward. I mean, you would Data would be playing violin sometimes, or like somebody would be doing a poetry reading or whatever, right? Like, so maybe it's yeah. more about that. But yeah, no, I, I, mean, I think it's neat. Yeah. Because they, yeah, it is, you know, it makes sense you'd have a place like that. Right. Somewhere. Right. I mean, I would assume they would just use one of the, um, uh, like the big cargo rooms. Right. But I guess it makes more sense you know, to be a bar. It's weird, though. When they show that they're going to be putting in a bar on the show, it, it's, it's, I kind of feel like that Strange New World is sort of realigning the, it's time, or, I think now that the next generation exists and the show's after it, mm. for a long time, the original series was like sort of the outlier, right? Mm. It didn't seem to match in terms of the lore or like just life on a starship or just the world itself. So I feel yeah. like now with the next generation, DS9, Voyager, and then even later on Enterprise, albeit before, yeah. you now Strange New Worlds is sort of like almost taking that with all the knowledge of next generation and what they do in that time 
and saying, no, we did it here too. It's just for some reason the original yeah. series, you know what I mean? Well, who's to say there wasn't a bar on right. the Enterprise, the original series, but the characters, we the command right. didn't go there because maybe it was like, well, that's for the underlings. They can complain about us there or something. I think Strange New Worlds is doing a really good job of like making, of taking the original series timeline and like aligning it to fit better with the next generation, just in terms of, just in every aspect. So mm. the small things like that, the ready room, the bar, like, no, all starships have this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, Another interesting thing, uh, Ethan Peck says that um, Anson Mount, he kind of mentioned, he said, well, Anson always says that there's a formality to Starfleet. He talks about it as a military outfit and that, you know, we have to maintain that formality, but then we can still have these moments of, you know, emotional moments between each other. Because if you were in the military with someone, I mean, you would still have these emotional moments, but usually you're formal. So that was interesting. We've talked a lot about how in New Trek, it's lost all of that, you know, Admiral on the bridge. Right. Kind of um, that was... formality. And and this is neat that Anson Mount seems to be reminding everyone that. Well, that was um, Starfleet. That was an important talking point that you and I had on uh, season two, episode one of Picard, when they were just when they were on the Stargazer, all that stuff. But I think even on Discovery, I remember you talking about it was around the time when you were watching where Silence has least because we saw some parallels, and you had just said to me like it's just those little things like Captain permission to leave the bridge, all the the military formality of it all. You said mm-hmm. why don't we have this on Discovery? Why don't we you know because we were talking about like people can just seem to recently walk into meetings with Berman, <laughs> yeah. Burnham and the and the Federation president like yeah, Gray can just walk in meeting. like yeah people that have no rank no business yeah Adira and Gray could just wander into a high level meeting with Burnham and the Federation president yeah. like do, do you know who I'm meeting with kids <laughs> like what are you doing yeah. yeah yeah they need a little bit of that get off the bridge yeah. oh, no well that they had Picard Picard would send everybody crying and there'd be a report to HR yeah no Picard Day that year. <laughs> oh, dude, I would pay so much money to see that. <laughs> I would pay oh, yeah. double my money. The sorriest Picard. crew in Starfleet. This is the what? The sorriest crew in Starfleet. Get out of that chair, Michael, right now. <laughs> uh, actually, there's that. Um, there's a. There's, oh, that reminds me. There's a Saturday Night Live sketch. I sent it to you when it was, a couple of years ago, and uh, it was essentially like, what if hypersensitive Gen Z teenagers were in I did Star see, Trek? I saw that, and they and they were triggered by everything. They're like, I'm sorry if I'm being you know curt yeah. with you, but we're in the middle of a battle here. Yeah, uh, it's quite good. I recommend everyone check it out. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I think I saw that. And was like, this is Discovery. Like, <laughs> this is how I imagined it being on Discovery. It was oh my God, poor Discovery! All we do is all we do is make fun of it. No, that show that show's never going to be be a winner in our eyes. No, hopefully they'll knock it out of the park next season. Hopefully. No. Well, they think they do. They think they are. Well, hopefully, they really will. No. Well, that's it for All right. me. Is that it? That's it. Well, that will. What happened, by the way? So, all right. Um, well, that's going to do it. That's a wrap on 10 episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, but we are going to delve a little bit deeper next week on just on the season itself. Because we think that 
it deserves its own episode this time and just talk about what it is about the show that we thought worked uh you know maybe even favorite episodes and just you know talk about the season overall i do know that there is san diego comic-con this week this upcoming weekend oh i'm sorry next weekend i apologize yeah let me try that again so the other thing is that San Diego Comic-Con is coming up uh, about two weeks from now. And Lower Decks is going to be there. Picard is going to be there, I believe. And Strange New Worlds will be there. And I'm assuming, primarily, we're going to get more info on the upcoming season of Lower Decks. Because I, that should be coming pretty soon. So, looking forward to it. Yes, this is exciting times. Yeah. I do wonder if we're going to get, because I know that Strange New Worlds season two has just completed filming. Maybe premature to think about a trailer, but we, maybe we could get something. Um, Picard season three began, uh, ended, concluded filming. Uh, I think I may be wrong with this, but I believe shortly before season two premiered because I shot them both back to back. I know we've right. already seen a teaser trailer for teaser trailer for season three. But maybe we could get something there as well. But I think the most we'll get uh, will be on Lower Decks. Because we still don't have the release date for that show. And we have not seen a longer trailer outside of the uh, teaser that was uh, shown a few months ago. And then they showed a, a clip of it on the Ready Room last week. So, But that's yeah. going to be the we next did show. Get a, we did get official word that Discovery will not be at San Diego Comic. Right. They only just began filming season five, so I can't imagine there would be much that they could show, so I'm assuming that's probably why they're not going to... Well, they're filming it, too, so, I mean, who has time to go to San Diego? They're busy, yeah. They're busy. Yeah. So, but, you know, we wish them the best and hope they get us a good season. They deliver a good season. So, but otherwise... I think that will do it for us, and we'll be back next week again to discuss the entire first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So until then, we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Peace out.